Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is the Gospel reading from Matthew 21. You may be seated. In, in the name of Jesus. Jesus is poo-pooing the religious rock star's popularity. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus has just strolled into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, and the streets are lined with hundreds upon hundreds of people hooting and hollering, crying out, Hosanna, Jesus, Son of David, save us now. How does Jesus end the Palm Sunday parade? Where does he wind up? In the temple, cleans house, the temple had become more like a mall with all this business transaction instead of life transformation. So dumps out the coins, drives out the money changers, the vendors, the animals, and he backs all of this up, right, with scripture. He quotes Jeremiah, Matthew 21, 13. It is written... My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. Instead of a space for every face to experience solace, forgiveness, healing, and grace, the temple had become a cover for the religious rock star's pride and greed and sinful desire. Yeah, a hideout so that the people didn't know their true motives, their real intentions, what they were all about. And that is the applause, the applause, the applause. Popularity, approval rating, man's pat on the back. They were looking for man's approval. Cashing clout, you know, flattery, fawning. And Jesus was ruining all the fun, drawing all the people away from them to himself. And they were jealous, so jealous, extremely jealous. This Jesus got to be shut down. Lucky for them, they didn't have to go very far. Jesus was there in the temple again with chutzpah, right? Guts coming back to the temple after cleaning house. Well, here was their opportunity, time to strike. The religious rock stars try to trap Jesus with a question. A question concerning his authority. Because he was a threat to their popularity. Things escalate fast. Matthew 21, 23. And when Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you like who gave you this authority? This uh, this question calculated. Not honest players. This is payback, payback for Jesus. You know, siphoning off their popularity. They're going for the jugular. They question his authority. Now that takes guts. Jesus. By what authority are you doing these things? Where do you get it? From heaven or from humans? Now they think they got Jesus. See, they want him to answer this question. Because they think Jesus will either A, 
incriminate himself politically with Rome, or B, discredit himself religiously with the people. As a catch-22, Jesus between a rock and a hard place, we got you. I mean, they're so giddy at this point. Um, yeah, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus turns the tables on them, doesn't he? Jesus challenges them with a question about John the Baptist's ministry, which traps them, traps the religious rock stars in their calculating faith. Their calculating faith. Their calculating faith. No trapping Jesus. He traps them with this question. Verses 24 and 25. Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? Now, the re religious rock stars should have an opinion about John the Baptist and his ministry down by the river. I mean, John the Baptist, I mean, that whole ministry, one of the biggest events in the life and history of Israel, hundreds flocking out into the wilderness to meet John the Baptist, diving headfirst into the Jordan, getting baptized, confessing their sins, having their hearts turned to the coming Savior, the Savior of sinners, the friend of sinners. But that's the problem, isn't it? The religious rock stars were also jealous of John, siphoning off their popularity, drawing people away from them to himself, and they didn't like that. The people didn't know that. So what will they say about John publicly? Hmm? What's going to go on record? Jesus forces their hand, verses 25 and 26, and they discussed it among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, when, did, when then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. This is calculating faith. They're weighing their options. That's what they're doing here. They weigh their options based on how others will respond to their answers. This isn't about personal conviction, but rather about public consequences. No matter how they answer, it's going to be bad for them. Their popularity is going to take a hit. So what will they do? What will they do? Well, they kind of go agnostic. They take the easy way out. Verse 27, So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I mean, this is kind of comical. They, they start out trying to trap Jesus, which, by the way, don't ever try to do that. You can't do that. Okay? But they try to trap Jesus, and they wind up actually trapped themselves. Their calculating faith boxes them in, corners them. 
They are completely obsessed with their image. They're addicted to approval ratings, the applause, the applause, the applause. They're slaves to public opinion, won't risk upsetting the crowds, crowds, their fan base. They don't want to do that. They want to have the people praising them. And so they plead the fifth. The guys who are supposed to be experts in all things religious can't answer a simple Bible question. How humiliating, what a defeat. Well, we are not like those religious rock stars. We're nothing like them. We never ever worry about how people will respond to our beliefs. No calculations with family and friends and neighbors and coworkers and fellow students. Public consequences not even on the radar. <laughs> yeah. We're just kind of lying to ourselves. Dear friends, the honest thing to say is that we have all engaged in calculating faith. Like the religious rock stars here in our text, more than we care to admit. We've all had those moments where we cared more about what the world thinks than what the word actually says. And that's because, you know, we're afraid of people's responses. We don't want to be disliked. That's not fun. We want people liking us, not, not hating us. And so we hide behind silence. Instead of defending that kid over there on the other side of the cafeteria, I'm just going to remain here in my seat, protecting my reputation. I have family over for the weekend, but, you know, I, I know they don't like worship, so I'm not going to bring it up or talk about it so that there's no worship. I'm not going to say this because that guy is going to think that, and I'm going to ruin the chat. Behind calculating faith, is P-R-I-D-E, pride. It's pride. Pride. We care more about our image and how people perceive us, what they think about us. Instead of sharing the hope that is in us, so often we keep it to ourselves, hide it under a bushel. Yes, I'm not going to let it shine. Because we don't want to make a fuss. We don't want to make people uncomfortable with this Jesus thing. We don't, we don't want to rock the boat. A calculated faith muzzles us. But we need not be muzzled. We don't have to be duplicitous, deceitful, two-faced, dishonest. Our Lord Jesus Christ this morning invites you and invites me into a whole new life. A bold life, a free life, a transparent life, an authentic life, an honest, wholesome, healthy life. The parable of the two sons invites the religious rock stars and really all of us here, every single human being, into well, invites them to turn away from 
that prideful, calculating faith to Jesus with a humble, confessing faith. Listen to this parable. You're going to connect with it very well. Remind you of your childhood and mine. Verses 28 through 31. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, Pops, I will not go. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he said, Pops, yeah, I'll go. But did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Um, we've been both kiddos, haven't we? We have been. I mean, when I read this parable, I thought about my childhood. <laughs> uh, and you're probably thinking about your childhood. You, you've had those times, and same with me, where, you know, Dad says, um, yeah, we give him a, a no to some chores, like, you know, take out the trash. But then, you know, we feel kind of guilty. We don't, we don't feel so good, and, and we have uh, second thoughts, and, you know, we actually take out the trash. We, we give them a yes in the end. Or, you know, Mom, you know, she, she gives us some orders, rake the lawn. And we're like, eh, okay, sure, yeah, I'll do it. But then we give a no by staying on our video games. That's too important, too much more fun. We have been both of these kiddos. And Jesus wants the religious rock stars to uh, say which son actually did the will of the Father. And they hit home run. It's pretty simple. They say, Jesus, come on, that is so easy peasy. Ask some harder questions, uh, but not like the one before, okay? Um. <laughs> of course, the son that initially said no, but then said yes, you know, cleaning the dishes, he did the will of the Father. Jesus wants them to be like that first son. Have a change of mind. Go from a no to a yes. From no, I'm not going to believe in John the Baptist's ministry because if I believe in that ministry, that means I got to believe in you, Jesus, and you're an inconvenience to my public life. Thank you very much. Peace out. To a yes, I believe in John the Baptist's ministry because his ministry prepared the world for you, Jesus, the Savior of sinners, my Savior. From a prideful, calculating faith that's concerned with popularity to a humble, confessing faith that's concerned with honesty. A faith that's just really honest and, and says, I need Jesus. I need him. <laughs> I'm lost without him. I need Jesus. Jesus encourages here this change of mind. Verses 31 and 32. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Ooh, burn Jesus! <laughs> For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. 
And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. The religious rock stars have time. It's not too late. They can follow, they get behind the prostitutes and the tax collectors and walk into God's four sinners only kingdom. But will they do it? See, the prostitutes and the tax collectors, those that the religious rock stars deemed deplorable and damnable, are actually role models for this humble, confessing faith that is, is honest about, about everything. About everything. Humble, confessing faith is where it's at, folks, okay? That's where it's at. It's all about honesty, regardless of how people react, respond. So, I mean, honesty really is the best policy, I guess. This, this place, you know, the Christian church, should be the most honest place on planet Earth. And so let's just be honest then, right? Jesus doesn't call us to popularity. He calls us actually to poverty. Poverty. Poverty in the way of that first beatitude. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the rich in spirit. The really making it happen spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is humble, confessing faith. And the prostitutes and the tax collectors, they got it. They're in the kingdom of God, living it up with Jesus, enjoying the presence of Jesus, whining and dining with him, spending time with him. Now, this is all news to the religious rock stars. They have actually put the tax collectors and the prostitutes outside the kingdom. Outside, in the cold, curled up, cursed, crushed, condemned. Outside, clawing at this locked door, bloody fingernails. Outside, without any hope whatsoever of salvation. The comical thing is that it's actually the religious rock stars who are outside the kingdom of God. Why? They put themselves there. Unlike, unlike the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they are not honest with themselves. They see themselves, you know, on the top of the religious food chain, so to speak. And this gives them a false sense of security and superiority. They're just fooling themselves, aren't they? Because they, we, nobody's actually on, on top. Nobody has it all together. Nobody has all their crack, crack, crack ducks in a row. Nobody has all the answers. Nobody can actually look down on anyone. Nobody is without weakness and limitations. Nobody is without doubts and fears. Nobody is without a rap sheet, a record, a past. Nobody is without sin 
Nobody is without a need for Jesus. So, oh, 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 let's just be honest from here on out. Let's get in line behind the prostitutes and the tax collectors. Let's follow them into the kingdom of God. Let's go through that open door that has a sign over it with the words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God's kingdom is for misfits, rebels, prodigals, the worked up, the worn down, the least, the last, the lowly, the spiritually bankrupt. That is sinners. Sinners. It's all there is. So you might as well count yourself as one. <laughs> Jesus did, didn't he? He numbered himself with the transgressors. He who knew no sin became sin for you and for me. And this is the way of righteousness, the way of making all that's wrong right, all that's sick healthy, all that's broken whole. And it began at a congregation down by the river. John the Baptist, with his ministry, People flocking to him, confessing their sins, getting baptized, having their hearts readied for the Savior, the friend of sinners. And then one day, that friend of sinners showed up. <laughs> he wanted to get baptized. And, uh, you know, Cousin John said, whoa, 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 buddy. Mm, mm, mm. I grew up with you. You have done nothing wrong. You're perfect. Full A's, home run every time. Man, you do everything right. You have no sin to confess, Jesus. And oh no, hit the road, Jack, and don't come back. No, by the way, maybe you should baptize me. <laughs> uh, Jesus takes John's stop sign and breaks it. Okay. And he says these words, Matthew 3:15. Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness, you know, we've said this before. What word do you see in that word, righteousness? Ness. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> this is the way of making the world right. Sinners right with God. Sinners right with one another. And so John consented, baptized Jesus. He climbs out of the river Jordan. The father says, this is my beloved son in whom, whom I'm well pleased. Because there standing on the banks of the Jordan River is the sin bearer. Shouldering the world's sin. And he carries that sin. All of it. All our worrying about what people think of us. All our working so hard to gain man's approval. All our walking on eggshells afraid to offend someone with the truth and speaking in love. And he carries it all. Every single one of our nose. To the cross! To the cross! And on the way he commits no sin of his own. Honesty to the max. He is one unbroken yes to the Father. Fulfilling all of the Holy Ten Commands. And so the Father vindicates his Son, raises his Son on the third day, and with that open grave comes an open kingdom. A kingdom that is open to every single sinner. Every person. The very kingdom where we are the beloved sons and daughters of God. Our baptism tells us so. 
The very kingdom where we have a seat at the king's table, this supper tells us so. The very kingdom where we can take off the mask, praise God. <laughs> and we don't have to hide anymore. The very kingdom where we can speak the truth with one another, knowing that we will always have a listening ear. Someone will have our back. The very kingdom where all are embraced and accepted. The very kingdom where all are valued and loved and seen and treasured. The, the very kingdom where, where, where you can't look down at anyone or look up to anyone because we're all, we're all on the same, same level. <laughs> we're all equal. Equally approved of and accepted by our God. The very kingdom where we can wear our hearts on our sleeve, knowing that we will not face a fearful rejection, but only a friendly reception. The very kingdom where hope and peace and healing and wholeness begins. The very kingdom where we count others more significant than ourselves. But old ways die hard, don't they? And so, you know, let's, let's like every morning, let's have like an attitude adjustment, right? Yeah. Let's have a, a change of mind. Let's daily put off this, this calculating faith, which worries about popularity, and put on this humbling confessing faith that is honest about everything, especially our poverty, so that we walk and we talk humbly towards one another. This is the faith that the Father is looking for. The Father is looking for this humbling, confessing faith. Because such honesty is the beginning of a life of freedom, peace, healing, and joy that nothing, not even death, can annoy. And the Father looks at us this morning, and he sees such faith in you and in me. So, let's go talk, live, not calculating what others think, but following Jesus wherever he leads. Such Honesty is going to be a breath of fresh air for some folks. Oh, yeah. A breath of resurrection, new creation air. And it's going to catch their attention. So, so don't be too surprised when you see smiling faces trailing behind you as you enter the kingdom of God. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen.